0: Hello there, listeners and followers. I'm Ron Stefanski, the host of the newly launched Advanced Manufacturing Disrupted podcast. And I'm really excited because over the past few months, I've met a lot of people in the additive manufacturing world. In this world of advanced manufacturing, additive has become so transformational And as a kind of a nerdy geek, um, I just get gobsmacked by the things that people are making using 3D printing. And I'm always getting this question after the show and from friends who watch the show and and others who come back to me. And they always ask, you can really 3D print that? So I think it's incumbent upon us to get the experts in here and to talk about it. And one of those people that I met at the recent IMTS conference was the CEO of Fast Tech Engineering, a gentleman by the name of Alan Pierce. And Alan is just a great leader in this world of additive manufacturing and brings so much insight to it. He helped me to understand more about what the future portends in terms of supply chain resiliency, in terms of lowering costs, speed to market, and building up well-paying, great jobs for the future of our US workforce. So all these things are happening, and I think it's incumbent on DisruptEd to let the thought leaders who are disrupting this world speak firsthand. So without further ado, I'm gonna introduce Alan Pierce. Alan, welcome to our show today.
1: Hello, good day to you all.
0: It's great to have you. And I wanna start out, as you can tell from, uh, as Alan introduced himself, Uh, He is originally from England, so he speaks the language better than I do, obviously. So that's going to help us in the delivery of this episode. But Alan, I want you to take us back. And you've been involved in um, Fast Tech. You launched it in 2018. Tell me what brought you to the world of uh, Fast Tech and the idea behind your business and uh, some of the background you had that made you confident that this was a, a leading edge technology that was going to be adopted in a fairly rapid fashion.
1: Okay, thanks. Um, well, funny enough, I was—I've been—I've been a machinist. I suppose you could say in very simple terms, but I've been machining mainly aerospace alloys for over thirty years, and I've seen over the years the amount of waste um, that we've created when we've actually manufactured parts, and in particularly. Titanium components for aerospace structures, where there can be up to eighty-five percent waste in a component, um, but also there's a huge cost and a, and a huge uh, waste of material and recycling costs and time, loss of roughing applications, etc. And I was fascinated when I saw this three really D metal printing technology starting many years ago, mainly in plastics and polymers. And then subsequently, powder technologies came into the market, um, but they were all based on very small parts, and and I could never find anything that was big. And then about, I think it was 2017, uh, I went to an exhibition called Emo, which is like IMTS, but in uh, Germany. It's a European sort of version of IMTS. And I saw this piece of equipment, uh, Gevetech machine, which is built in uh, Berlin, and they were printing huge, titanium parts, um, and I was really surprised. It was the first time I'd really seen that technology and I got really excited about it. So I met the CEO. I recently um, left my previous position as CEO of uh, Kisera, um in Europe. And I was looking to invest in my own business. So I, it, was a, it was a once in a lifetime opportunity, always been interested in additive. So I thought, okay, let's give it a shot. Um, made a crazy decision to invest about $1.5 million into this piece of equipment with not a lot of evidence um, that it would work or not, frankly. But uh, I had a strong belief in it because welding, which is ultimately this technology that's applied, has been used uh, for over a hundred years. It's very common in aerospace, not just to a simplistic technical level, but it's used to repair engine blades. And if you think about engine blades, they're sure. pretty important in an engine. And the safety factors involved in that does mean that if you uh, use this kind of technology well and accurately and sophisticatedly, um, you can make as good as uh, certainly raw or cast parts um, on application. And we've learned a lot about that and we have got better and better at it. And it's been pretty cool. It's been quite a journey. It's now being, as you mentioned, since 2018, uh, we've had the equipment in from 2019. We started small, and we're getting bigger and bigger every week.
0: That's fantastic. Now, one of the things I'm interested in you talking more about is, you know, so many of us have come to this conversation from a non engineering background, from a non technical background, and so the idea of 3D printing with with uh, plastic polymers that kind of made sense but you're talking about using high strength materials like titanium and you're involved in 3D uh, metal printing. So what were the kind of technologies uh, that that rested this to the forefront and brought it sort of live stream where you could actually now be working with uh, big defense and aerospace suppliers uh, by building components in this fashion?
1: The challenge with uh, powder-based technologies is the volume. Um, It can print very detailed and and very accurately, Um, but typically a a component may only be um, up to 12, 16, 20 inches, and and they're getting bigger and bigger, but those parts may take days to print. And that isn't viable when it's a structural part, perhaps an aerostructure titanium part or a part for a energy system. Um, We work with Siemens, which we'll talk about later, um, and with those guys, they, they print a lot of ink canal and the cost of castings or forges is very high. So you need to be able to apply and uh, print that material at a much higher volumetric rate. And with this technology, it's typically about 10 times faster in its application rate in terms of the volume that we can print. So it, it now allows us to, to print big. Um, and it wasn't really viable, I'd have said ten years ago. Uh, and it's certainly the next stage in, in manufacturing, in my in my opinion. Um, but of course, there when you weld a component, um, there is you know, there's a there's a residual amount of material that's left over. We still have to machine uh, many faces. Not always. You would get a finish uh, comparable to a casting in many cases if we uh, apply ourselves in that way. Um, but I think it's all about volume. We, we have a technology that allows us to print fast, print big. Um, there's not a lot out there that, that can do that, um, certainly in, in this cost bracket.
0: Right. This is, what's so exciting about this is that you're bringing this uh, to the US, and you're talking about high-quality uh, materials and parts um, with exacting precision. And what fascinated me about our first conversation is that you obviously got the attention of some big organizations. And so you've been working with Siemens, for example. And that contact was interesting to me because it ultimately led you to meet for the first time the President of the United States, Joe Biden, uh, in Hamilton, Ohio, as I understand it, for the launch of the Advanced Manufacturing Initiative of the federal government. And um, I had an opportunity to watch the show where you met with the president, and what fascinated me about it is, number one, his command of uh, of the transformation that's going on. Um, he's a real nuts and bolts kind of guy. He 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 really does get it. But let's hear from you more about uh, what you learned from that uh, initiative and how it plays into a small company like you working with a large company like Siemens.
1: Okay, it's great. Um, yeah, just to give you a little bit of background, our, our first major uh, customer was Siemens um, some years ago, and they gave us this project or this challenge, I should say, uh, to manufacture a component, a large component uh, in a new material, um, which was in this case Inconel. Um And what they were looking for really was a, a cost down of saw but really the ability to make the, the component in weeks rather than months. It could take up to nine months to manufacture this component, including sourcing of the material, which is a huge problem all over the world at the moment. And they wanted to bring that technology into America, be able to make it locally. Um, we're fortunate to be very close to Charlotte, which is their plant that we feed into. And we created this project where not only did we reduce the cost of the component, we also re- reduced the delivery of the component down, to, you know, down from nine months to potentially 12 weeks. Wow. And I think most importantly is that we had the ability to mix materials, actually, where we've actually uh, been able to print in-canal onto Hastelloy, two very important materials to Siemens. So it's been a great success, and I think we're all super excited about its benefits, and now we're looking at an array of parts for Siemens. So... When they were approached, and this is where the aim forward initiative comes from, um, the Biden administration created this uh, initiative and took chose originally some key players uh, that manufacture using additive technology, and, and said to that company, such as Siemens, "Hey, who do you work with? We we want to um, support the SMEs, the smaller companies, and work out a way of how they can." introduce themselves into the world of additive. Because the biggest mm-hmm. challenge is typically the, the, the cost of the machinery that's involved in additive. You, Most companies who have got into additive tended to come from being machine shops or machinists of some sort, uh, and including me. That's my background, machining. And mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the next evolution is is printing the material before you perhaps machine it. These machines typically cost millions of dollars, and it's working out how the big OEMs can potentially handle that investment, but the small ones can't. So it's working out how can it all fit together, and how can the OEM support, and the initiative, the investment into the equipment this large and this significant. And that's been a really exciting challenge, I think, that is this, this initiative drives because it's actually teased out three fundamental challenges you know one is the equipment and the cost of the equipment how can a small company even afford it or justify it without any POs and this is what right. we did you know right. fast when we started we had we didn't have a customer you know we had millions of dollars of equipment we we didn't just have a printer we had um, five axis machines and lace and all sorts that we'd invested in in the in the, the hope I suppose really that we'd find a customer because um, i believed in it and, and i still do i'm very passionate about it um so you know meeting siemens was a, a wonderful opportunity for us and you know this has um beautifully evolved into this partnership and now working on the initiative the the key three elements that have been uh, teased out of that are really you know, the cost of the equipment and the viability of the investment so it's really what's the payback other issues in um a lot of the manufacturing uh, processes and technologies at the moment and the concerns that people have is the material itself and how does that compare to a piece of raw material cast or forged um, and there's a lot of qualification required with particularly using powder um, not so much with weld, because there's a lot of welding um, qualifications already that are, we can apply with our technology but standards are required in in 3D Metal Printing that aren't out there and there's a desperate need for that. It's been worked on all over the world in different uh, pockets of uh, institutes and uh, ASTM and and so forth, but still, it's been very challenging. So that's the second element. Uh, And then really, the third element is training. And that's one of the things that I'm probably most passionate about because I'm apprenticeship trained. That's that's how I became an engineer from my original time. So, from engineer to to degree over a long, a long period of time, it took me to get where, where I was fully qualified. But I know that the journey can be tough and, and you're never quite sure, is it really worth it? So training I'm very passionate about and in engineering terms, and there's a real need for training for additive manufacturing, not just machining. So it's really print or add, as we would say, and then subtract. So both spheres of manufacturing are important so that with siemens uh together we're we're driving and, and working on a, a that third leg for creating a, a better training mechanism for the additive manufacturing world so that's really where we're at that said machining you know machine cost is a big issue and siemens and other companies within the uh initiative, Boeing of most recent joining, do need to commit to purchase orders or at least production programs because you'll never get these small companies to invest um, unless they've got some commitment from the OEM. So that's a challenge that the initiative has teased out. Right, you
0: sort of broke through here because you decided after a very successful career already that you were willing to take the jump and invest in all this equipment uh, without any customer and without any prospect of a PO. I mean, that's a pretty bold move on your part for which I'm really impressed. Um, one of the other things I, I noticed as you were talking with the president in the uh, in the initiative is, and what got me excited when we first started talking, is um, how passionate you are about bringing new people into this world. When we were talking, I said, you know, if, if young people could just see what you're doing and the kinds of things they could build, they would look at manufacturing in an entirely different way. And you kind of proved that case out. Uh, And you're working now, as I understand it, with Danville Community College, because these technologies and these kinds of projects are gonna require a different kind of uh, technical skill. Um, So tell me a little bit more about that. My area is upskilling. So I'm very fascinated and passionate about the idea that you're going to be growing Um, jobs and positions that are high paying, that require a lot of technical background, that are requiring uh, the equivalent of an apprenticeship or some time with hands-on experience with this new equipment. Um, That's what's exciting because you're building a labor force that America, you know, this country uh, is really interested in cultivating. And so talk to me a little bit more about your work with Danville Community College in this respect.
1: That's great. Um, Yeah, well, fundamentally, you know, why Danville? A lot of people say to me, you know, London to Danville, why? And uh, it was a big, it was a big leap of faith, I suppose, in terms of the investment in the equipment, um, but also, you know, the location to to begin a a manufacturing facility. And it was all about really what the uh, what Danville could offer us in terms of talent pool creation. Uh, They've got a tremendous I'd say, you know, world-class um, program for educating young people that are looking for high-paid jobs and typically think that the best way is to jump on a computer um, and go and earn money down that uh, stream. But there are other ways. And there's, there's, there's some great engineers, in particularly in that region where you look at the history being manufacturing of um from cotton mills and even tobacco and tobacco machinery so it's inbred in their their culture to want to make stuff so mm-hmm. when i went down to danville the first time and i saw in particularly their 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 full three-year cnc manufacturing program it was so impressive i've never seen anything like it and i'll be honest i wish and and pray that one day we'd have that in the uk um, because i think that that was the fundamental jump for me when I realized that wow, look what they're doing over here in the States. Uh, at least in this region, they are super investing in young people, uh, acquiring millions of dollars of machinery, um, very sophisticated 5 axis machinery, not simplistic machinery you'd see on a lot of training programs. Um, so my belief was look, I can't find additive guys. So let's let's find subtractive guys. Let's find guys that can machine. They use the same kind of software they know how to run a five-axis machine, and then adapt them to add rather than take you know take away, basically. So that's what we've been doing for the last few years. Um, the third-year program, which is critical art to our need, and, and that's really where they get into a very sophisticated uh, training uh, curriculum of not just five-axis machining, but also the software um, with this Fusion um, products, uh, which really gives them a great grounding for to come and work with us. And in fact, now we take at least two, sometimes three or four interns per year while they're running that course and they come across to our business and then we use them for both subtractive and additive because we, we will have to machine these components uh, typically after we've printed them. So I'm super passionate about giving these kids and gentlemen and ladies this opportunity to, to grow, excuse the pun, but it is so true because it, it's a wonderful opportunity, Additive manufacturing.
0: I think it's so fantastic at what you're doing, but, but the labor piece and the workforce piece is so essential because, Alan, as I, I'm sure you've heard this from many of your colleagues, the number one barrier we're hearing about growing small businesses is all about talent. So yeah. let me ask you this, as you're talking to Danville and you're working hand in glove with them now on their program, have you brought some of their uh, graduates into your program and what are you seeing in terms of their ability to hit the ground running? Because you're a small company and you have to move at a laser uh, fast pitch. So tell me more about you know the success rate you're seeing with people coming out of the program.
1: Okay, that's a great question. Um, it's kind of, uh, a really cool situation because an unusual, I suppose, in business, because I, when I started the business, I, I brought in both young people that have been on the college course, third year program in advanced machining, um, and a couple of interns in the first couple of years. And many people said to me, you know, you haven't got a, I would say a, a more experienced, maybe you know well rounded 40 or 50 year old gentleman or lady that's going to run this business technically you've just got a bunch of very young people that have come for the program you know you're crazy because these these are just young kids and I, I did like to think of it as a bit of a social experiment in the fact that could you take a load of young brains put them together and then they they can manufacture five axis very complex components in materials like titanium or inconel um to aerospace standards, um, and it's it worked out. And and the challenge was, you know, you've got to give it time. So teamwork was was really the the ultimate essence of the success, and that was very much taught and um, embraced in the third year program at DCC, where they 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 teach them to collaborate and work as a team. So when they came over, either on internships or becoming full time employees. That's how they work it out, and they get stuff done, and they get stuff done really well. And I think with additive, you do need to have a a different attitude to more conventional machining because the technology is very different. And for example, when we print a component, we'll always think about printing fixturing into the part rather than creating external fixturing for a part once once you've got the casting, for example. So we can add on or add up further um, and that's a very different way of thinking. And we're still learning now uh, to always apply that. But those kind of open mindsets are really needed in the business. And it's paid dividends. And it's given a lot of young people great work opportunity. And, and with that, you know, now we're very much aligned with the college and the third year program to introduce, <clears throat> giving more of the additive technology in terms of experience in using the software. And I think it was one of the catalysts for a program uh, that came out of the machining program where now there is the ATTM program, which is a Navy-based training program for um, really recruiting engineers in additive um, welding and machining that that really was a spin-off, if you like, originally from what we've been doing down at Danville with our first additive machine.
0: So, Alan, let me get this straight. You are working as a CEO of a company, you decide you're going to invest in your own business. You spend millions of dollars to buy equipment that has not yet been tested and to produce parts for customers that have not yet been acquired. Then in order to do that, you identify that you're gonna need people with special uh, skills and experience to build parts that have never been built this way before, and so you engage with a community college here in the US at Danville Community College to create a talent force sufficiently experienced and ready to hit the ground running to build parts that have never been built this way do i have this story right i mean this is a ama- this is what first attracted us to have our first couple of meetings together was this idea that this is the bold the bold American dream, you know someone <laughs> coming here and then just taking risks like never before, but but seeing the payoff and it sounds to me like you're seeing the payoff, and that the biggest part of your enthusiasm, which I love about you, Alan, is your idea that. Uh, At this stage of your career, what you shared with me earlier was how important it was for you to bequeath these skills and this legacy to the next generation. And I think that's so uh, important and so strategic and also so cool because now we have an example of a successful small company working that's obviously producing and, and passed the test in the business case of a large organization, Siemens, your first customer and did sufficiently well that you got the attention of uh, the White House administration and were invited to participate in the American Advanced Manufacturing Initiative. So what's really exciting about that is a couple things. Number one, as I understand it from you and others, this is to focus on more partnerships and more support for people to take the kind of risk that you were taking, yeah. to sort of blend partnerships and create more partnerships between the bigs and the littles. And as we know, 70% of job creation in this country is with small to medium companies. And so that's why this is so vital and why your story is so compelling. Um, It's just crazy successful that you've been doing this. And uh, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. For those of you who've been listening in, you've been talking with the Maverick 3D additive printing uh, magnet of Danville, Virginia, who has been building parts for Siemens and others now uh, through his company, Fast Tech Engineering. And as we wrap this up, um, Alan, you were telling me before the show about your chief operating officer, Richie Barker, because attention begets other attention. Mm -hmm. So first of all, you come here, you get introduced to the president of the United States. Then we postpone our podcast here for a week because you were having a visit by Governor Youngkin from the state of Virginia, And now you're working with the Department of Defense and Navy in particular. So I'm wondering if you can just tease out a little bit about that and a little bit about what Richie's working on. And then I'm going to ask you to bring Richie back because I think there's a whole other episode that we want to hear about. And that's about what you're doing in next steps. Because if you're a small business, you want to know that there's a future, that there's a runway, that there's an opportunity to find a customer, start there, start small, but really start accelerating your growth.
1: That's great. And um, I really appreciate your your, your comments. Um, it's why I came to America, by the way, is, is the land of opportunity is very true. So to have the opportunity to invest and f- acquire talent, um, it was the best place in the world to do that. So I- I'm I'm very appreciative for the support we've had in Virginia, and from uh, the varied governors that we've dealt with since uh, we started the project. But this project, in in particular, um, really stems around the Navy's need for more engineers. Um, they're looking ultimately to train between one to 1,500 uh, engineers or, or certainly um, operators at the minimum per year within the, the Danville um, facility, ultimately, once it's all built. So it started uh, over a year ago with a program called ATDM, sponsored um, and funded by uh, DOD, if you will, and many of its uh, streams of education. And it was really to offer the the young people an opportunity to train on a very advanced but compressed um, training course of 16 weeks just to give them really a kickoff and an opportunity mm-hmm. to get into any roles, whether it was machining, additive, or, in fact, welding. And this program has been so successful that they, they launched this initiative last week where they will invest many, many millions – into both a centre of excellence for manufacturing, where they will focus on manufacturing of additive parts to suit the Navy requirements, but also a hundred thousand square foot building that will have machinery, additive machinery, CNC machinery, welding equipment, so they can train thousands of people um, to have an opportunity to come into the engineering world, make you know, creating DOD Navy components
0: just amazing. So again, you've been hearing from Alan Pierce, the CEO and founder of Fast Tech Engineering. Alan, thank you for joining us. And thank you for agreeing to bring Richie Barker, your COO, to the next uh, episode of Advanced Manufacturing Disrupted, so that we can hear more about uh, your work with the Department of Defense and the Navy. I think it's so critically important for the for the small and medium businesses that are listening in and hearing this great story about additive that there's a runway here that there's a future here that there's an opportunity here and because of bold people like you alan others that are going to follow on your shoulders are going to are going to have some of those risks mitigated some of the capital risks some of the talent risks some of the organizational risks, because of the work you're doing so i can't thank you enough for what you're doing. And I can't thank you enough for joining us to share your powerful story. This has been Disrupt Disrupted Advanced Manufacturing. Stay tuned in one of our following episodes when Alan returns to us with his COO, Richie Barker, to talk more about the exciting next stage of fast tech's growth in the world of additive manufacturing. Thanks and join us again. Take care. Thank you. because you don't you just do it don't you in life when i when i look back and i talk about it and then you
1: say you know maverick and i thought and i think well wow, i guess I, I i was i mean it was a huge risk and um i just took it and I, I think i think when you i i'm always saying to my team look if if you believe in something you'll you'll succeed but you've got to make sure that you you know you truly believe in it and that's what's driven me with this whole project i believe that this technology can work I believe that there's young people that can be trained to to supply to it, um, and I, and I believe that ultimately everything will be manufactured with additive technology. It doesn't matter if it's in my lifetime or not; it's going to happen. So if we can speed it up, then all the
0: better. That's fantastic. This has been Alan Pierce, CEO, Fastick Engineering.